Welcome to the Nifty Podcast presented by Party Fish Media, a showcase of the best emerging filmmakers under the age of 25 from all over the world. Film starts here at Nifty 2022 in Seattle, Washington. Hi everyone, my name is Lily Bolton and I'm one of the programmers for Nifty 2022. I'm excited to be here today with Nifty alum and director of Fallen Prince, which is screening this afternoon in the Against All Odds program and will be available virtually through May 8th. Lucas, could you introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your film for listeners who haven't seen it? Yeah. Hi, my name is Lucas Dong. Um, I directed Fallen Prince uh, back in 2020 uh, in December, and this was kind of like right when COVID was very, very bad. And um, I was approached by this ballet company who you know, as they couldn't have their annual Nutcracker performance, wanted to do something that they could share with their community and also give the dancers an opportunity to work towards something and show their craft as well. Um, So we came together and came up with this idea to make a short film that captured some of the beauty and dance that um, this ballet company does, but also kind of tweak it a bit to be a bit more film friendly. Um, Mm -hmm. So we knew we wanted to avoid uh, like a a live stream type piece where we just run the whole show. Um, So we came up with this story that is a bit of a play on the Nutcrackers themes and plot itself, uh, following this character, Alex, as he goes through the process of um, trying out for the Nutcracker, losing his parts and dealing with all of the the other elements going on at the time during COVID. And it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a fun piece, hopefully um, exciting to watch the the story unfold alongside some of the dance scenes and had a lot of fun with that. Amazing. Beautiful. You, you answered my next question too, because I was really curious about um, how you kind of got to this narrative and how you landed on such a well-known text as the Nutcracker and, and why you decided to do like a play within a play narrative. Um, what was it, what was it like working with this kind of like intertwining of such a well-known text? It was, it was nice because there was a strong foundation. I think one of the biggest challenges was how to, how to like show scenes from the Nutcracker, because that was a big piece that they, the ballet studio still wanted to show how to do that and make it feel like it's part of the story. And we're not just going to interludes and like transition scenes. Um, so there was a few kind of ways we approached that, but I think having the like the base text of the Nutcracker was was nice. It was something that like I'd seen the Nutcracker a few times, but before mm-hmm. doing this project, hadn't really like actually understood the story. It's a very simple story, but like I never really sat down to to read it or understand it. And I think the the themes in that were really interesting and very very cool to explore through the lens of a dancer um, in -hmm. this like very cutthroat environment. Like not that the studio itself is aggressive in any means, but just the nature of, you know, doing such a rigorous um, craft. It's, it's something that isn't really shown all the time. And it's such a contrast between what you see behind the scenes and like the perfect, beautiful performance. And that was something that, I was interested in for a while and I had made a short documentary um, about ballet dancers a couple years beforehand and mm-hmm. kind of 
explore the tip of that iceberg, but I, I thought it'd be interesting to really show something that where you really feel the contrast between the the characters and the, the dancers themselves and and then the the perfect, beautiful, flawless performance. Definitely. Yeah. There there are so many themes at play within the Fallen Prince too. And a lot of them do lend itself to the Nutcracker text with like dreams as fantasies and nightmares. But then also there's like isolation and COVID winter and kind of general insecurities or feel of fear of failure when pursuing a passion, especially as uh, one as rigorous as dance. So I would really, I would like to hear about your relationship to these themes or just your thematic interest in film generally. You know, there's the dream element that is fantasy oriented, but also like nightmare-ish and fearful, yeah. um, but also just like if you want to be more broad, talk about your interest in um, thematic interest in film in general, if you don't want to focus on those themes. I think I had a better answer for this when I was making the film. It's It's been a while, but I think one of the things that I liked about it was that it felt very much like my experience throughout the creative process. It's like mm-hmm. such an up and down thing. And like the highs are really high and the lows are really low. And it, you kind of have to like, break yourself and pull yourself out of that um to to get through to the end mm-hmm. and i think you know without forcing that too much that was something that was going through my mind as the the themes and stories were were coming together here um but also just like doubting yourself is is a big one um also the ideas of like mentorship and the roles of mentors has always been huge in my life and my career mm-hmm. and i liked the idea of you know, a mentor can't really like solve that for you, but they can be a big help and and direct you in the right places. And like, when when you're ready to make that transition, like their presence can make a big difference. So like in the film, Alex um, remembering a moment when he was young and like seeing his mentor dance this beautiful performance, um, you know, is what unlocked the finale for him. Definitely. And kind of how there's like, another play with the Nutcracker text there too. I know there's like the the more literal Clara character, um, but also the mentor is kind of a savior as well. And that also plays within that. Um, yeah. I also wanted to know more about, uh, I saw online that you have a history in studying architectural spaces. And I really love when there's a spatial focus and awareness in films. And I'd really like to hear you talk about how you relate space to narrative or just what space means to you in filming in relation to Fallen Prince. Yeah, uh, well, I, I love just design, um, architecture, interior design. And I think it's a really interesting, I mean, obviously it's a huge part of film, um, production design mm-hmm. spaces you're in. But I, I just like to look at and look at and find spaces that have little details in them and like Easter eggs that I can explore through film. This is not so fallen print specific yet, just in general. I, I think that's what I love about the blend between like architecture and film is like film really brings out the details within architecture that like maybe not everyone would notice just walking through a building, mm-hmm. uh, like puts it to the test too. Like, you know, when you're filming a space, you really find out if those lines are straight or like if the, the floor is a little crooked, um, it's a really stress test is that. Um, and so I think, you know, the fallen prince wasn't 
really that similar to my other architectural work, but it's definitely part of the process, um, you know, like finding these, these places to shoot and making them feel like, you know, his apartment feeling playing into his, the, the bareness of his life at the moment and being a bit tight and small versus mm-hmm. these like huge open spaces on stage and even some of the studio spaces. Um, I, yeah, I, I'd say I just have a passion for it. I don't, uh, I don't know exactly how it's maybe came through in Fallen Prince, but maybe it's subconsciously somewhere there. Yeah, I think so. I, I also noticed a lot with, um, kind of like the camera movement is very dance-like in motion. And I feel like the way that that camera movement goes through spaces is very spatially aware. And um, yeah, I think also like there's just been so much relation to, I know a handful of filmmakers have related uh, being an architect to being a filmmaker. And it's a really interesting uh, combination of kind of like how brains work with specific crafts and I think whether, you know, Fawn Prince might not be as focused on literal spaces, but it's creating a really potent uh, spatial awareness and like it's built, you know? Mm. Yeah, were you, in thinking about camera movement, were you like purposefully making the camera movement very gliding and elegant? Yeah, it, the camera movement was a, a very, big discussion um kind of like just wanting everything to feel very um intentional and also you know all the stuff on stage is like very much flowing as if you're a dancer on stage you kind of see Mm -hmm. these these angles that you wouldn't really see um unless you know you'd never see it from a live performance uh being like within there looking top down um spinning with the dancers and I think, yeah, we really wanted the motion there to feel dreamy and glide, glide mm-hmm. around, like you said. And um, and the rest, you know, it's a it's a bit more raw. Like some of the 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 real life scenes, um, so a lot of them are handheld. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the the dance stuff in the studio in like during rehearsals also has some some very smooth movement, but. You know, wanted that those scenes to kind of blend the two. You know, so you have the the very extreme, dreamy, flowy motion on stage, some more rough handheld or still stuff um, in his day to day life, and then the studio is kind of an in between. How did you How did you come up with the the scene where um, Alex is late to deliver food and then ends up kind of stumbling upon uh, his own like Clara character? Yeah, that was a, that was a hard one. I I liked this idea of him like having this almost uh, like question, like not sure he's not sure if it's a real moment or not. Um, that's kind of why mm-hmm. we we threw in that like that snow falling down the stairwell as he's running up. It's sort of like mm-hmm. you're not really clear if this is in his head or not. Like if he's just piecing things together or if this is an actual character. Um, but I think the the actual character herself. Um, I wanted her, him to have someone to like interact with. It's, he's been kind of on his own for a while. So that was part mm-hmm. of it. And someone to kind of push him outside of his comfort zone a little bit. And I think that's where it came from. Um, you know, knowing we wanted, we had to find a moment where he could change his framework a little bit or, or go back to a moment that he was inspired. Um, I, yeah, it's, it started actually with, 
him seeing this this character that was doing something they love like just for the sake mm -hmm. of it and i'm not sure how much that still came through but that was where it started and him seeing that you know not not doing it for the applause or for the press or anything like that it's like just someone on their roof doing what they love it's like you know it reminds him about his dance and and why he originally started it yeah it, it also really speaks to like connection being this point of healing like you said there's so much disconnect in his world not only just with covid but it's like all of the the interactions he's having is either like you know briefly delivering people food or uh these more uh business oriented studio conversations with his mentor or emails with his mentor or the the facetime call with his family it's kind of like this point where there's it, i mean it is still kind of a liminal space because like you said it's very dreamlike but it's one of the first like points of contact and I think that connection really does speak to like it like the connection ends up being the the point of healing and and that's I feel like a through line also in just like how to reaccess passion and community. Yeah, definitely. Like we we really didn't want it to feel like a a piece about COVID, um but it was a very like relatable time where like people were very alone. And um, especially if you if you didn't live with people, um, mm -hmm. that was like kind of a rare moment to have that kind of interaction. I really like how subtle the the actual like mentions of COVID are. It's very it's very physical and spatial rather than like within the dialogue or yeah, it, it just kind of feels like a backdrop almost that is understood. Um, yeah, I would I would like to know what like your your primary challenges were in making this film. Challenge it was a very tight schedule. Um, mm -hmm. There was a lot of stuff to shoot. Uh, I think logistically that was that was a challenge. It was also a challenge just creatively figuring out how to how to show the dance scenes and the mm -hmm. story and and make that cohesive and compelling. And I think there was a lot of cuts where the the dance scenes were a lot longer like in reality they are all a lot longer and mm -hmm. you know they were they're kind of taking people out of the story and so figuring that out was a challenge um it was also a challenge this was like the fun challenge but like working with you know the actors they were all um they were all real dancers and mm -hmm. like character alex as well as is a dancer as well so I spent a lot of time before the shoot, just like getting to know him and chatting with him and actually adjusting the part of the story based on things in his life. Um, I mean, he had some acting experience, but it wasn't like we were going into this with like a very seasoned actor. It was, it was a lot more of like a, a real person type approach. So, um, you know, like working with them to, to make them feel comfortable and, and try to get things that would help the story. And I think he did a great job, but that was definitely something that took a slightly different approach than, than maybe I would have with a more traditional um, talent or actor. Yeah, you probably ended up with so much footage because you were shooting so many performance sequences. Yeah, so there, there's a whole, 
-hmm. yeah there's like the what you see in the film is like maybe five percent of, of all of it wow that's shocking i would like to know how you kind of got started in film too like like bringing it back before this project originally i got into film through skateboarding uh skateboarding films like kind of blew me away from a very early age they were like incredibly mm -hmm. artistic and something about them it, it really is like folk like really inspired me on the craft like i was a big skater but also seeing the way they put those films together really inspired me and so i started through that through making tons of skate videos mm. and um, as i sort of grew up i just started transferring that to to other things and um, kind of found myself like the the easiest thing i could do to make you know that's where i didn't have to get actors and all these things would just be to like follow people around that i knew and like i guess make a, a film about them so that's how I stumbled into like short documentaries and I did a few of those and kind of loved the process, uh, loved the way they turned out and just kept doing that. Um, and eventually some people saw them and, and wanted me to do those kind of projects for their brands or their companies. And I just started doing more and more of that. and got really comfortable doing branded documentaries, which is kind of how I ended up doing this piece because I had done a branded documentary with this same ballet company mm. and a couple of years prior. And um, yeah, that's that's how I started. And um, so while I was in film school doing a lot of like narrative work and I was I was doing branded documentaries and commercials outside of school. And um, yeah, that, now I, I definitely strive to do both. I'm kind of passionate about a lot of different things and film styles within the world. Mm -hmm. It's so cool to hear that you started off with skate videos, though. It's, it's always interesting to hear like what the initial pull towards film or filmmaking is. Um, and I think there's actually like a pretty big similarity between skate videos and fallen prints which is like mm -hmm. marrying um music to body movement because music is such a, a prevalent thing for skate videos in that culture yeah uh, do I, you... I love that you made that comparison i never would have <laughs> thought of that but I, I i like it yeah i was wondering if you had a like if you are particularly interested in directing with uh with a focus on music uh yeah i i think like I'm, I'm wary of being too focused on it you know it's like like one of the main things i've learned a lot through editing over the years is like you can kind of mask problems by just putting music over it mm -hmm. and, um but i think you know when when the story's right and, and things are working music can can play a big role and a lot of the work i do kind of does work in tandem with music um so i you know i i don't think that's like musical territory for me, but I, I like the two being, um, you know, parallel storylines and developed together and not used as an afterthought. Briefly, before we kind of move on to, to wrapping up, I'd like to hear a bit about where you're from and also if if different from where you're from, where did you make your film? Yeah, well, I, I grew up in Hong Kong and came, came, moved to the US on the East Coast for high school and then came out to LA for, for college and uh, live in LA now. 
and um, Fallen Prince was made in Vancouver, Canada. Oh wow! So all over the map. Yeah, a little bit. What What brought you to Vancouver to make this film? Um, I've been doing a lot of film work in Vancouver uh, for uh -huh. the last like five years, and I had met this ballet company through some other projects I was doing in Vancouver, and yeah, I sort of over the years developed like a lot of relationships there, um, built out some really strong teams and DPs and creatives I love to work with there. So it's it's kind of become like a, a second home for me um, and like an easy place to to shoot stuff. Sweet. Yeah, it's a it's a thriving film community out there for sure. Definitely. Um, so I'd love to know what's next for you and if you have any projects or plans in the works. I'm pretty much fully working on um, commercials and branded short films at the moment. I just yesterday wrapped a commercial I'm doing for Google, which will be live in two weeks. Um, and then on Wednesday, I'm going to Tokyo to shoot a short film with the Japanese architect Kengo Kuma, who designed the um, the Olympic Stadium in Tokyo. Oh, awesome. And so I, I have sort of like a handful of short documentary projects that are kind of ongoing throughout the months. Um, and I kind of hop around between those and every now and then I'll I'll do commercials and been doing a lot of automotive work and car commercials, which has been a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, I, I definitely have an itch to scratch in the narrative world. Um, and I'm, I'm working on some stuff there, but not quite ready to share. Sweet, that's so exciting. I love to hear it. I'm, it's cool to hear that you have so many realms of like, um, again, just like movement based work with like car commercials and skate videos and this dance film. It's, that's very tricky to to deal with and it's it's cool that you're kind of honing a craft there thank you yeah i i'm gonna think about it now that you brought it up um kind of revisit the skate video stuff i'm, I'm curious to see what else it's influenced <laughs> yeah i it is it's always interesting to kind of pinpoint those turning points for yourself i know that i i realized that like music videos were a huge turning point for me and my interest mm -hmm at one point I was like oh it's like a light bulb switch right. um all right well thank you again for being here Lucas it was lovely talking with you and where can people follow you and find more of your work yeah great speaking with you as well um my website lucasdong.com is uh, where where I put stuff and uh yeah I'm on Instagram too you can just search my name but it was lovely meeting both of you and thank you for having me yeah, of course. Uh, thank you again. And thanks, everyone, for listening. For more information on Nifty 2022 or upcoming events, the talented youth, and more emerging filmmakers, check out nifty.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter at NFFTY or Instagram and TikTok at Nifty Film. For more podcasts from Party Fish Media, search Party Fish Media wherever you listen to podcasts or check out our website at partyfish.media. Party Fish Media.
Partyfish Media acknowledges that it operates and records on indigenous Duwamish and Puget Sound Coast Salish land that is still home to the Duwamish tribe. This land is stolen in violation of the Point Elliott Treaty of 1855. We are committed to uplifting the name of these lands and community members from these nations who reside alongside us. For more information on this land, its people, or ways you can help, visit duwamishtribe.org or realrentduwamish.org.